Hello and welcome to Charity Chat episode 14. I'm your host, Samuel Davies, and I'm here as always with my friend, colleague and collaborator, VB. <laughs> Hi Sam. <laughs> so this month we are going to be talking as part of our direct marketing series about... Telemarketing. Yeah, nice. VB, have you been the recipient or victim, depending on your perspective, of telemarketing? <laughs> Um, I have, yes. I am, yeah, one of the charities I donate to. Um, actually, I haven't had a phone call from them for a while, but I do remember probably about a year or 18 months ago, they did um, they did call me and sort of just, it was um, quite a nice quite a nice call, because I already gave a monthly donation to them, um, and they were basically calling to ask if I would increase my monthly donation, um, and sort of gave me an example of the, the work that they were doing and why they needed, you know, extra funds and what have you. Um, I did politely decline, I have to say, but um, not because of I thought the call was bad or I was offended or anything, but mainly because I just couldn't afford to at the time. But um, I think if charities can, well, find the right companies to do the telemarketing, so I think it's important to state from the outset that often charities don't um, – carry out the course themselves from their own staff base because that would be extremely time consuming and nobody has that, that that right number of staff so often it is um companies that do it on behalf of the charities yeah so it's it was interesting the, the guy that i spoke to obviously knew a lot about the topic and was very well informed but yes it's um yeah that was probably the last one that i had about a year or two ago it didn't it didn't leave you uh too irate or upset because I think from some people's perspective telemarketing is quite a intrusive uh, form of communication from charities. It is um, I, I, I suspect if I didn't work in the charity sector I may have found it slightly intrusive it's, it's very difficult I think it depends on what time of day you catch people in what mood you catch people in I think it can be a real um, a real guessing game a lot of the time you know you might catch someone on a good day and they might be feeling generous and say do you know what yeah okay I'll let my I'll let my donation to 20 quid a month or you might catch someone who's having a really bad day and it's a final straw and they just go do you know what no that's it I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give anything anymore because you're asking me for too much it is very it's a very tricky thing it can often be a, a nice way or a very easy way for them to update their existing supporters of new work that they're doing so that they can see how their money is um, making a difference um, and sometimes, you know, it's actually speaking to somebody on the telephone instead of a letter, which is very easy to ignore, sometimes I think it, it does resonate with people. That's a really uh, valuable point, I think. And it, it actually links nicely, it segues nicely into a quote that we've got here from the Direct Marketing Association, the DMA, which says, picking up the phone and having a conversation can be the most powerful way to convert a consumer into a customer of course, using such a personal medium, the need to get it right could not be more important. And of course, mm. we're talking about supporters rather than customers, but it's a similar, in a similar vein, isn't it? Absolutely, I think it's for a, for a charity, it's even more important to get to get it right because, you know, if you if you want to turn um, a supporter um, into someone who you know potentially gives more, then you really have to give them a good reason to because then effectively they're not getting anything apart from a feeling of goodwill and the fact that they're doing something good not really getting anything tangible in return whereas if you're a, you know a company selling something customers going to get something in return so it's even more important that charities get 
get the messaging right and get the tone of the, the phone call and that those people that are calling actually can recognize what the person on the other end of the phone is feeling so i think that's yeah very very valid quote there in terms of you know why charities use telemarketing again we've kind of touched on that haven't we in talking to supporters and the power of talking to supporters and, and uh, a bad telemarketing call will be being called up by somebody and being badgered and pressured into making a donation you don't want to give and mm. not really understanding what it is that you know the charity even does i think it's it's down to actually the company and the ethos that they have and, and how they train their their telemarketers I know that there are some, you know, some, one company got into very hot water recently because they were doing exactly as you say, Sam, they were badgering people or they were almost, you know, if, if somebody said no once, then they would carry on and carry on um, and almost make, make people feel guilty, which is obviously very, you know, is morally wrong. People give, give money out of the goodness of their hearts, as I say, not because they're getting something in return. So if you give it to charity, you do it because you care about that charity and to kind of pressure people into into giving more just so that they can sort of they can get their commission or get you know get the tick in the box and say yes I've you know I've got had another uplift is absolutely despicable really but there are many many good companies that don't have this ethos you know they are more concerned with you know if people do say no we'll say well I'd like to tell you more about what the charity is doing anyway so you know where your money's going and actually by having the conversation and and just talking through and saying this is what we this is what we're doing and not putting pressure on and saying I understand that you can't give more but I'd still like to update you anyway it kind of makes people feel that they are still important even if they're not giving more money. Okay, so what should a telemarketing call sound like, VB? Well, we talked about what it what it shouldn't sound like, um, but I think in terms of a structure of the phone call, you know, the call should make it clear who the charity is, and you know that they call it the fundraiser calling on behalf of, of a charity, and then they're from a company um, that the the charity is employed. I think that's really important so that they the recipient of the phone call then has a good understanding of actually this person is calling on behalf of the charity they may not know absolutely every aspect of the charity so if they do know questions they might not expect them then to to know everything and it just sort of sets a nice you know sets a nice precedent for the for the rest of the phone call one thing that i know that some charities do and certainly the charity that i work for do is that they will go to the the call center and do like a day's worth of training with with the, the callers who are calling on behalf of our charity and talk to them about exactly what you know what the cause is why it's important and the work that we're doing so they'll talk about the specific project but they might give them more information so that they understand you know the supporters that are going to be calling as well which is really important they also need to understand the recipient also needs to understand very early on the nature of the call so they know that basically they're going to be asked to uplift um to for a donation or to uplift their monthly um monthly donation whatever the case may be the telemarketer typically will have a script that they'll be reading from and that's got to be sanctioned by the charity they're working for so in the telemarketing uh, work that i've done with other with companies um we've had we've agreed the charity that i'm working for and the telemarketing company on what the fundraisers will say but then you've got to have a little bit of leeway so that it doesn't um, seem kind of robotic because then, you know, what do you need a person there for? Part of that script, and again, the script is designed to ensure that everything the telemarketer is saying is on message in terms of what the charity wants the uh, supporters to um, 
have conveyed and also what the company they work for um, wants to have conveyed in terms of uh, ensuring that what the fundraiser says is compliant with the legal and the code of fundraising practice requirements for telemarketing calls. Um, so that's the script. And as part of that script, there'll be what's called a solicitation or sometimes disclosure statement. And as you say, that, that covers ticking the boxes of the f- uh, fundraiser saying which charity they're calling for. That should be at the beginning of the call anyway. And also the name of the company, if it's different from the charity, uh, which, as you say, it often is because charities um, currently, uh, don't really have the resource to have their own in-house telemarketing teams. How much the company is being paid by the charity to conduct this telemarketing campaign and also um, how much they're expecting to fundraise, which can be quite difficult because they might be midway through a campaign, so they're not sure what the uh, result will be of the campaign, how much the campaign will have fundraised compared to how much they're being paid, but they can, uh, they can estimate that. They mustn't ask more than three times during that call. So typically what that looks like would be me calling you up on the telemarketer and I say, mm-hmm. Vicky... Or VB in this case, VB, would you, would you, um, you know, this is the cause. I'm working on behalf of this cause. I work for this company, and I'm calling you today because I would like you to help support us even further. You're already giving us four pounds a month. Would you be able to give us twelve pounds a month? And you might say no. So I've had my first ask. I'm sure you'd say yes if I was asking you, but you've said no. And uh, so that was my first ask. I can then say, well, how then? How about, Vicky, how about £10 a month? And then you say no. And then I can drop to my third ask and say, well, how about £8 a month? I can't go beyond that. I can't ask you again. So if you say no three times, then it's done and dusted. And I have to thank you for the call and I hang up. So um, that's the three ask uh, policy that's um, now in the uh, code of fundraising practice. So you can't ask more than three times on a telemarketing call. So um, so there's that. And then, yeah, there's, I think we kind of referred to it a little while ago about there's this, um, so fundraising, sorry, FRSB, Fundraising Standards Board, isn't it? Yeah. FRSB. Um, they had a, they looked into a telemarketing company called GoGen. And you may remember GoGen, they were all over the papers. They were in the Daily Mail, especially, because the Daily Mail here in the UK, they put one of their reporters undercover into Gogen, recorded um, all sorts of very bad practice um, tactics employed by that telemarketing company. And the outcome of that was the FRSB looked at four of the large UK charities that were uh, working with Gogen, and they subsequently brought out a report which showed all the bad things that were happening plus all of the uh, recommendations that they had and then also the things that those four large charities, um, who everyone would know, household names, went on to, how they went on to change their practices. And we've got a list here. I think you've got the list there, haven't you? These are examples of what some charities are doing to improve their telemarketing practices. Okay, so they are developing closer relationships with third-party fundraising agencies. They are whistleblowing policies for fundraisers to make direct contact with the charity. Listening to more of the recorded calls, which is you know vitally important, so the charities are actually taking a proactive um, stance on it, and rather than just sort of 
trusting the company to go and get get on with it. They are actually listening to selection of the calls. Yeah, and that's, um, that's a good one, actually, because there was apparently one of the charities in this report, they actually had in their contract that they could only ever ask for, like, 20 calls or something for each campaign. It was a limited amount of calls, which isn't at all mm. a good idea. So No. Yeah, that's been something to look at. And presumably that, uh, that company would have cherry-picked those that small number of calls so that they got the best ones, yeah. yeah um, so another um, step they're taking is to meet, um, having meetings or unannounced visits to telemarketing call centres. So but I guess it's kind of like doing the secret shopper, um, almost, uh, sort of, you know, taking them unawares and visiting the, the call centres directly. Um, charities attending attending training or being a bigger part of the fundraiser training, which we talked about earlier, so that's something that a lot of charities do as, as practice anyway but now you know a lot of charities have learnt from the mistakes with the GoGen um, case that being you know actually going in there and, and doing training the callers yourself is a good idea better contracts with fundraising companies ensuring that the above is possible and the company has a vulnerable people policy yes. complaints policy compliance with the code and procedures in place to ensure that supporters don't have a negative experience I think the um, vulnerable people policy is one of the, the the key areas. I mean, we've talked talked to the hind, hind legs off our listeners about the um, you know the the Ferrari that went on with the um, Olive Cook. Olive Cook, thank you. The Olive Cook case, yeah. um, and uh, you know a lot of churches scale back the sort of cold calling that they did for you know to usually elderly people who you know sort of felt felt obliged to give or sort of didn't really know what they were doing or what they were giving money to. So that's a really, really important step that's been taken to protect people who are vulnerable, who perhaps have Alzheimer's or have learning disabilities um, and making sure that they you know, find that out from the start and then end the phone call if they think that they aren't, um, they don't, won't have a full understanding of what they are giving money to. Charity and you're sending contact numbers of your supporters over to a telemarketing company, either you or they need to be running those numbers against the telephone preference service, TPS, mm. because if you don't have somebody, your supporter, saying, I'm happy for you to call me and have a clear opt-in for that, then you won't be able to call them if they're on the telephone preference service. That's at the moment. In the future with lots of um, new regulations potentially coming through, that might be the case regardless of whether they're on the telephone preference service. But at the moment, if they're on the telephone preference service, you basically need them to have opted in for telephone contact. Yeah, you need evidence for it as well. Yes, exactly. And uh, making sure your supporters know why your charity is using telemarketing and the impact of this and in terms of how it will benefit your beneficiaries, is very important. I think that's something that a lot of charities don't do, and I've been guilty of it as well with the charities I've worked for. You know, we don't make it clear enough to supporters before they get that call from the company we've employed to make those calls um, that they will be called. And indeed, the why um, we would like them to respond positively to that telemarketing call. So I think it's down again with a lot of this stuff it's down to the charity sector to really champion telemarketing as a channel of communication with supporters um you know because without that uh, we'll probably see lower and lower response rates and more and more kind of upset supporters absolutely one thing that um my charity did 
before or just as the calls were starting they we actually sent out a um a social a message on social media to say you know to our supporters just to let you know that this is happening if you get a call it is it is a genuine call to kind of put their put their minds at, at rest and i guess almost to kind of prepare i mean obviously not all of our supporters are on facebook and twitter and other social media channels but it was just a way of giving them a heads up that actually this is what's going to happen and to give people like time to almost prepare and think okay could I give more or could I not and to for them to have that reassurance that they're not getting they're not getting scammed I think that's that's quite key one of our supporters responded to it with a tweet saying I sincerely hope I don't get a call I do a lot of fundraising for you already and I think she'd she'd raised something like £50,000 for the charity so you know she 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 believes that she does her bit, which obviously she does. She's done a huge amount of work to, to raise that for our charity. But she had already been discounted from it. I think the, there were parameters put on place on, on the data that we supplied to the, the call centre that was doing the calls on our behalf. So the people that were called had been very carefully selected. Donors who we haven't interacted with much and might benefit from that sort of that, that phone call and finding out more about what we do that, that received it. So actually you're having really good quality data as with all things with the tele telemarketing is really important so telemarketing should be seen by charities and supporters alike as a communications and it's uh, for those people that we don't have the resource to call on a daily basis or even on a yearly basis telemarketing is a stand-in for that and then um, you know if those people then want to follow up with the charity um, and talk to us um, themselves and of course that's always an option if people you know listening to this podcast ever receive a telemarketing call as we should do ourselves um, that you're not happy with then the best thing you can do is to contact the charity that the call is on behalf of because mm-hmm. I know and I'm sure you probably feel the same way VB and probably most charity works feel the same way the very worst thing that can happen is that supporters go away upset and uh, feeling uh, kind of aggravated by the charities that we work for um, because if we knew that that was the case then that would massively change how we spoke to them and also potentially how we spoke to other supporters as well. Absolutely and it's, it's interesting what you say there Sam about it being a two-way, two-way communication. It is having that phone call is often a way for the supporters to give feedback to the charity through the call centre so they can you know for example I know that in some of the calls that have been made recently with the charity I work for, they've you know people have said, oh well, I did um you know I did an event a few um a few years ago and I never got a thank you for you know from you or I don't you know I, I don't remember receiving one and it actually gives it kind of gives him that opportunity to say you know actually I wasn't happy with this it gives us an opportunity to sort of a apologise and to try and re-engage them and say you know trying to make amends um for that mistake so it can be whilst you know nobody likes to receive complaints sometimes it can be beneficial because it can reopen conversations with supporters and sort of enable the charity to say actually we're really sorry that you didn't get this um let us make amends for it and just to yeah reopen that reopen that that method of communication and get them get them talking to us again because they may have not been talking to us because of you know the the poor experience that they had from that one that one incident all of the information we're talking about, of course, is always on our website, charitychat.org.uk, and that includes a link to the uh, fairly recent fundraising regulators 
code of fundraising practice, which every fundraiser should know inside and out. And I've been a bit guilty of not necessarily knowing that inside and out in the past. So that's all there. And uh, it's a fascinating and very important, I think, 60-page read. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely worth the time. And there's a whole section there on telemarketing and on third-party um, agreements, which is obviously relevant for when you're engaging with a uh, telemarketing company. As always, we, we do welcome feedback. If there's anything that you think, if you're a, a charity fundraiser and you do a lot of telemarketing and there's, you think there's anything that we've missed, please do you know feel free to contact us through the usual channels, through Facebook, through, through Twitter and on our website. Red Dog Music for sponsoring our podcast kit, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show, and you may have noticed new tracks from Forest of Fools. Um, these mm-hmm. are new tracks they've sent over to us, and um, as always, you can find their details on our website, as you can for RR Yard Photography, who's our other sponsor, who have provided us with some lovely photographs for our website, charitychat.org.uk. What are we doing next month, Phoebe? Well, as it's December, it would be rude not to talk about uh, Christmas. So we are going to do a very special Christmas appeal podcast. So we'll be covering written Christmas appeals um, and TV appeals and maybe some musical appeals as well. Sounds very festive. I might even get Mm. some uh, Christmas bells intro music or something like that. I I would love it if you did that. Please do that. (laughs) Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure as always, VB. Likewise, Sam. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being on, as always. And, uh, yeah, until next month, uh, thank you, listeners, and uh, cheerio. Bye.